0: Welcome to my testimony. And today we have a very special Indeed. guest, Yes, uh, Dr. Eric Walsh. Yes. Doctor, welcome to my testimony.
1: Uh, thank you for having me. It's good to be on with you guys, um, and uh,
0: look forward to this. Yes, yes, and we're looking forward to this too, and um, just to see your journey throughout yeah. your career, and the things that you've been through, and uh, how God has kept you and your family throughout and all. So uh, welcome again, welcome. and um, it's a pleasure meeting you again.
1: Good meeting you guys again as well.
0: So before we get into my testimony, let's bow our heads for prayer. Mm. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you have provided for us. We thank you for Dr. Eric Walsh. We thank you for his, uh, his life and for the things uh, that he's doing and for you placing him in this world mm. uh, at such a time as this. We pray as he share his testimony with us today that all of us will be blessed and that those words will uh will be the words that you put on his heart, and that at the end of it that we can say we have truly seen the way you have blessed all of us, and what you have doing for us, we pray in jesus name
2: amen 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 okay, so Dr. Walsh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you were born, which <laughs> you went to, et cetera
1: so I was born in Hartford uh Connecticut, um to Jamaican immigrants mm-hmm. um I went to public school my whole life, all the way up to to college. Um, It was at college when I finally went to an Adventist school. I went to Oakwood University um, for four years as an undergraduate. And then um, went to, um, I actually did one year at Wake Forest University um, in North Carolina, and then did um, uh, my medical school training at uh, University of Miami in Florida. so, you know, I've actually finished high school in Miami as well, something that kind of is relevant. I was there and then I went back for medical school. After med school, I went to Loma Linda University um, Medical Center and did um, one of my residencies there and then I actually did another one in Alabama at, um, for U, through UAB um, in family medicine. So I did preventive medicine at Loma Linda, did um, family medicine in Alabama, and then um, while at Loma Linda, I got a master's and a, uh, and a doctorate in public health.
0: So you um you've been around, man. You 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 <laughs> definitely. Uh, sounds like a real uh, Jamaican family. You get around, huh?
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: <laughs> wow, wow. So when you were finished from Loma Linda, what did you decide to actually go into?
1: So uh, that's really where the junction came. I was actually in leadership at Loma Linda, I was, like medical director for uh, uh, the urgent care, the only urgent care they had at the time. Okay. Um, and um, you know it's like I was getting these doctorate uh, degrees in public health and I said you know I should start working in public health and so I left Loma Linda and went down to Orange County California um, okay. and started working um, as a medical director for the, what they call a health care agency which is their public health department mm. um, and did that for a year and actually, actually I did that for two years I actually really enjoyed it um, even did a year where I was like the medical director for the the county jail system, which was oh, wow. very interesting, wow. um, and then a job came available in the city of Pasadena to be the director of the entire health department and the health officer, so both sides, the administrative side and the kind of the physician side of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I, so I did. I didn't think I'd get the job, honestly. Um, in fact, I was competing against people from Ivy League schools, Stanford, and all those places, and. Um, But you know when god has it for you he has it i mean in a sense and i might have only gone to oakwood as they would say but um you know god worked it out and i was able to get that job and really enjoyed that job i was there for uh probably a little over just under four years okay Okay. um and it was a really good experience we did a lot of really good public health work banning cigarette smoking in multi-unit housing buildings right um so that, you know, if the smoke drifted from one apartment into another, they could call the health department, yeah. work on what the the the, the city could serve in terms of food, what was in their vending machines. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of just really good work around smoking, around diet and exercise, around maternal child health. HIV was the biggest area, though, probably the most impactful area. We um brought in millions of dollars. And there was, I had a young lady that worked under me who was very passionate. And she brought, we brought in. Millions of dollars and um, expanded our services and added a dental clinic even um, oh, wow. for a, for low income HIV infected individuals. Right. Hired an African American dentist. Okay. Um, and she was phenomenal and we were doing really 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 good work. Um, you know, and um, so you know, I, I can remember. I say this when I give the testimony, thinking you know, like Joseph, like everything that we were touching right. was being blessed. Mm-hmm. And I always joke and say, but I didn't realize where I was in the Joseph story. Um, I was, (laughs) um, I didn't realize all I was getting was the coat of many colors. I didn't realize what was ahead. okay.
0: Along with your, your medical, um, ministry, you have the, um, the, the theology part of it too. Um, did you study theology or you, cause you, you, I took
1: a, when I was at Oakland, I did take a couple classes. Um, some that everybody took, I took like dynamics of Christian living with, um, from E.E. Cleveland, um and then i took uh um i took a um like a little bit of greek i mean i took a, a i played in a couple little classes here and there but but i didn't I, you know with biology and a minor in chemistry i mm-hmm. you know I, I didn't i never committed to to doing more than that yeah, you right. know because i knew I, I wanted to go to medical school um, um so you know uh I, but fortunately oakwood is like a, if you I mean, if you're paying attention Mm-hmm. Oakwood is like a—you a, a, you almost by default get a theology degree if you, right, right, you just pay right. attention to all the messages and, and yes. do well in your yes. religion classes and go to all the worship[s] and right. and I used to go to everything. I, I used to love to go to the Friday night. Um, right. yes, what was that thing called on Friday night? But they had for the theology the theology um, forum, I think is what they called okay. it. Okay, okay. Um, and I, you know, so I, I, I soaked in as much as I could while I was there, and I was involved in a group called WSB. And we would travel and speak on mostly on issues around um uplifting um you know the the the, the oppressed um African American history and things like that. Um but that's what really sharpened my tool. That's how I learned how to speak. Okay. Was really traveling with them and speaking. Um the first time I really did a public speech um per se was at Oakwood. For a Black History contest, and I, okay. I did a speech off the top of my head in one second, place, oh, wow. and that was it. That's how I got into speaking. Right. Honestly, yeah. then I joined WSB and, and kind of went from there. Okay, okay, mm.
0: right, because you are you 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 a well-known speaker. You um you travel a lot and you speak at um at different churches. You you actually uh, spoke, I spoke at our, at our church. Uh, yeah, yeah. I oh the yeah, oh yeah, times yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Right. so we have here, you know, and um. So going back a little bit uh, to that Joseph, of coat of many colors, um, what happened there in California, um, and then
2: driving clinic, right? And then what
0: happened yeah. there? And then we're going to fast forward a little bit to what happened in, in Georgia when you got there.
1: So in Pasadena, because I was the director and the health officer for the city of Pasadena. Mm-hmm. For those who aren't aware, Pasadena is one of America's most celebrated cities. It has the Rose Bowl, the Rose Parade. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It has its own health department. So separate from the county of, of Los Angeles, mm-hmm. the city has its own health department, as does Long Beach. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a lot of autonomy. There's a lot of learning. And like I said, it was a, I learned a lot and I was able to do a lot, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but... What happened was I I did I was asked to speak for the mayor's prayer breakfast in 2012, okay. And um, the group that asked me to speak was very good, um, and you know, as a Christian and as a physician, right. helped at the time public health officer. Mm-hmm. I did a, a speech. I incorporated as much as I could to make it very well rounded, but obviously, you know, what came through was that I'm a Christian. Even right. though um, know, I quoted from you know Arabic scholars, you know, I tried to really make it as as as, as uh, um, unobtrusive as possible. But at the same time, it was clearly very Christian. Because mm-hmm. I think I actually spoke, I think I talked about Jesus as the center of the of the, of the talk. Mm-hmm. I got a standing ovation. And after that, I was speaking everywhere in Pasadena, all of the Sunday churches. Right. I spoke at um, Friendship Baptist Church, the oldest church, I think, in the city, the Black mm-hmm. an African-American Baptist Church. I spoke at the big mega church on Lake Avenue, Lake Avenue Church. Mm-hmm. Um, I spoke for almost all of the uh, civic organizations.
0: Right.
1: And so a couple years later, in 2014, the Pasadena City College called and asked my secretary, or gave my secretary a message that they wanted me to be the speaker for the commencement ceremony that year. And that Mm -hmm. is really where all the trouble started. Um, The week before they asked me, Mm -hmm. um, I had just got a big rave review in the local paper because of the the dental clinic and the work it was doing around supporting low income hiv infected individuals right. okay. um so um or, or or a week before everything blew up i should say mm-hmm. so when he when, when the president of the of the community college asked me to do this i had no idea what was actually going on Okay. Um, you know, they say not all money is good money, and in this case, not every opportunity right. is a good opportunity. Right. So I was asked to speak at the school, and I said yes. I, I really enjoyed doing that kind of stuff, and still do. Mm-hmm. Don't do it nearly as much. I just preach now because I don't get. I'm probably never get an invitation back to a college again. Wow. But um, but um, the 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 what I wasn't told is that. Uh, the guy that there was already someone who was supposed to see speak and they rescinded the offer to that person because they felt they'd found some things online that were questionable i won't get into what that was right. um and so uh the, the president single-handedly i don't think he consulted the board or anything rescinded this guy's request to speak and asked me to speak mm-hmm. when that got into the newspaper some of the students were very angry because the person they Rescinded the offer from was a famous Hollywood movie producer, okay. who'd actually produce the movie Milk. And this this producer was also alumnus of that school. He he went to PCC Pasadena City College, mm-hmm. um, and he had won an um, Oscar or whatever, one of the awards for for the movie Milk. Right. Um, it was and he was a very very well known activist and still is, I believe, mm-hmm. for the LGBTQ community. So
0: okay.
1: obviously there were some students that were very upset when they found out he was no longer speaking. Right. And I've read the Facebook page of the, some of the students that came after me, and what they said basically was, you know, if if, if they brought this guy down by what was on the Internet, they were going to bring me down by what was on the Internet. Wow. Oh. So they went looking on the Internet to find stuff to bring me down. Of course, I don't know what they thought they'd find. I'm, I'm Black, so maybe they thought they'd find domestic violence and drug charges. I, I have no idea right, what they were right. looking for, but all they found were sermons. Right, And so somebody really took some time because in order for them to do what they did, they had to listen to at least 12, 10, 12 hours worth of sermons, which yeah. maybe on judgment day it pays dividends, I, we'll see. Um, <laughs> okay. But they listened to a lot of sermons because what they did is they took things out of context right. and put, a, put an article in um, one of the LGBTQ magazines in LA. And that right. was it. I mean, mm-hmm. once that hit, um, I was um, an anathema. I mean, you know, people wow. basically wanted my head. Wow. Uh, the next day after that hit, uh, the Los Angeles Times put out an editorial. And if you ever hear me give this testimony in a church, this is, this is one of the places I actually focus. They um, said there are two reasons Dr. Eric Walsh should never hold a scientific position. And they say one of them is because he, um, he believes that God created the world. They said, because he believes God created the world, he should not hold a scientific position anywhere in the United States. And oh. then the second one is in one of the sermons, I said, I do not want my children to wish upon a star. I want my children uh, to pray to the living God. And of course I was referring to where Disney says, when you wish upon a star, it makes no difference who you are. Cause when you wish upon a star, mm-hmm. your dreams come true. Well, as a Christian, exactly. I don't believe that. I don't want my children to believe that or to practice that. Cause that's basically spiritualism. Right. Um, and of course they roasted me in the paper for that Mm -hmm. so here's the second largest newspaper in the united states one of the largest newspapers in the world and they write an editorial making me look like you know some you know like how they do the people who wrote for trump now you know they they can make people look really ignorant and terrible um you know know, the media can just make anybody look that way i don't think people understand that that's why you got to be careful when they make people look that way you got to understand that the media can pretty easily make anybody look that way. Exactly.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and so that was it. I mean, as you can imagine, then every paper picked it up. The news channels. I mean, I got calls from all the local uh, television stations. Wow. They wanted to, they called the church office. Cause I was at that time, now I, I've been associate pastor at Rubidoux, at 16th street and mm-hmm. in um out in the Inland Empire. Right. And at the time I was the associate pastor at the Altadena Seventh-day Adventist church and um, oh. just north of Pasadena. And um and so they called the secretary at Altadina and said, Hey, one of the news news uh TV channels and said, Hey, we want um to play some of his sermon material on the TV show. And I told her, No, don't don't tell them they can't do it. But they did it anyway. Wow. It, um fortunately it was a very nice piece of a sermon. It was I okay. thought it was a good piece of a sermon. So um it, that you know, and that's how bad it got. Wow. So nationally people were talking about it. You know, at your email, you get news. Yes when you open up Yahoo or AOL yeah. or whatever people mm-hmm. use. News, I was in the news on all of those things. Yep. Oh, yeah, like
0: we 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 saw it. We, we did see it too. Yeah, yep.
1: yeah, and that was it. I mean, so and you know, in a moment it's all over. I mean, and of mm. course, with those people in the town who are against um Christians or 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 whatever, I mean, they they came for me furiously. Mm. Um and you know, it was it was that was very painful. Um, and I remember sitting and talking to the city manager about what happened and um, him saying, you know, he would, um, he would, um, you know, he, he did not want me to leave. He, you know, he he never said he thought I did anything wrong, right? but he was like, you know, it's going to be very difficult for you to right. stay in this job because in a public health position, you have yeah. to, the public kind of has to like and trust you. Right. As you can see with COVID, what's happened, right. many of the public health people have had to quit their jobs because... They say wear a mask and people come after them. Right. So it's a tough job in general, honestly, because right. you are making rules a lot of times people don't want to follow. Right. But long story short, um, you know, um, I really, I mean, it was it was brutal all day, every day. The local newspaper, so I talked about the Los Angeles Times. There's a local paper called the Pasadena Star News. Mm. And they really, that guy that owned the paper had it in for the city anyway. And of right. course he was anti Christian, Mm -hmm. um, what I heard is like he was like an atheist Catholic, which I've met a few of them when I was in California, and that guy really laid into me. I mean, you know, I was like, and of course, the more these stories were out, the more people clicked on the stories. The you know that's what he wanted. He wanted clickbait, so he just he just I mean, one day I was like, there were like four page stories on the front page, if I remember correctly, all about me. (laughs) You know, so. I mean, they ran in on me very, very hard on all kinds of stuff. I mean, you know, they were just the, the media was uh, uh, relentless mm. and, um, you know, it was just horrible. Um, and so even to get my severance, because in my contract, you know, if you don't do anything wrong and you have to leave, you get right. a severance. Right. The city manager wanted to give me the severance. The HR director, of course, was probably more of a progressive. And to her, I didn't deserve it. And so. I prayed and I asked God. I said, you know, before I went into a meeting at the um, Rose Bowl Country Club next to the big football stadium, mm-hmm. and I said, Lord, you know, I need this, you know, things are falling apart. I think by then I might have already told the city manager I would resign. Right. So he was working out the severance piece of it. Mm-hmm. And when I went in there, um, he and I had already met and he gave me um he gave me um the paperwork for my full severance. The HR director comes into the meeting and she throws down a piece of paper and says, listen, nobody wants you to get any severance, but here you can have half of the severance. And I looked at her and I said, listen, if you don't give me my full severance, I'm going to sue you. Wow. And being that she was HR, she knew that if I sued the city, they could be in big trouble because, yeah. one, I had done nothing wrong. Yes. These are my religious beliefs that are being dragged through the mud. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, well, this is the only thing I I, I, uh, I brought. And I, was, I, you know, I was like a Jamaican playing dominoes. I pulled out that other piece of paper and slammed it down on the table <laughs> and let her know that in fact, no, you know, uh, I have the full severance. And so right. um, that was one of the first miracles I saw God work, honestly, wow. that I was able to get my severance despite the fact that nobody wanted to give it to me or right. very few people wanted me to get anything. Right. Um, So um, what was interesting, a few interesting things happened during that time as well. One of them is that the Seventh-day Adventist Church officially, the local conference that I worked for, I was paid for, paid by, um, put out a statement. Now, I'll tell you the truth. The statement did not come from the local conference. I saw the emails. The the statement came from um, D.C., from the NAD probably, Mm. um, telling them what to say. And Betty Cooney was unfortunately... Um, you know straddled with with putting her name on it and so she got a lot of backlash which wasn't fair to her wow. um but um right. a little old lady that did not deserve that but um, right. God bless her the president of even of the of the conference tried to defend me to a bit as well Betty Cooney actually emailed him and said listen what they're saying about this man is not accurate she said I've listened to his sermons they' right. they're, they're they're not this is not right what is being done but it didn't care right and a statement basically was put out, in the, in the passing the Star News, basically saying, you know, uh, he's not an ordained man. Wow. Uh, he does not speak for us. Um, wow. uh, you know, basically, you know, basically they, they throwing they me on the bus. They, they distance um,
0: themselves from you yeah.
1: immediately. Yeah, oh, distance yeah. themselves. Very, 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 very uh, intentionally. Yeah. Mm. Um, that was one of the most painful things. So, I mean, yeah. one, you had the job. You had all the people at the job that were walking away from you and from supporting you um you had the public where i was one of the quote-unquote rock stars of the city right. Uh the city manager when this all went down said you know we could go you walked on water you were literally the most popular person in city leadership mm-hmm. um because i was you know being a part of the executive committee of the city and then um and then now the church did this and that was very painful because mm-hmm. i needed the church and there's a lot more that was done i don't talk about some of the other things the church did because i don't want people to get mad at the church right. yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. Because my my stance is, um, you know, and I, when I do the full testimony, I quote Ellen White. Um, right. She talks about the fact that um, these things are going to happen. That we are to draw courage from their cowardness. Yes. Cowardice, yes. Um is one of the things she says. There's a whole quote there that is just beautiful. And so you got to be strong. And she talks about the fact that this, this ship Zion will will reach its port. Yes. So you don't leave the church, you know. And for me, you don't bash the church, you know. I, right. If they've made these. As far as I'm concerned, they made some bad decisions, but I leave that on them right. and don't, not spread that around. Exactly. Because I think it was unfortunate, but I think it also speaks to what will happen during a time of trouble. Yeah, um, that's true. Jesus says, your enemies will be they of your own household.
2: Right. Uh,
1: David, yes. in, the, in the book of Psalms, says, um, but it was not a stranger. It was you, a man of my house. Yeah. Uh, he says, it was not a stranger, lest I could have borne it. Right. But it was you, a man of my own household. I'm paraphrasing yeah. that. He says, but that's what hurts so much. And so between those two statements, you get the understanding that folk we trust today, institutions we trust today, will one day not be so trustworthy, I don't believe. Um, uh, So that was a very painful part of this as well. uh, there's more in there, but I mean, that, that's the big gist of it. Um, right. I will mention this though, when that happened, the Sunday pastors right, they had spoken to many of their churches mm-hmm. every week or once a month, the, uh, the pastors had a big thing and the city officials would come and talk. I was one of their favorite people to come talk to them. Okay. And, um, I would, you know, so I was very cool with all of the pastors in the town. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Sunday pastors are the ones who actually had me meet them in the basement of one of the churches and anointed me with oil.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Uh, Wow. When the church put that statement out, right. it was the Sunday pastors who actually anointed me with oil and put a, and, you know, reminded me that there's a calling on my life and that God was going to see me through all of this. Wow. Um, so it was a very stark difference. And of course they're not an organized group like the, right. like the church, like our churches, but it was, it was the group of first day uh, preachers and pastors right. who came, who, who kind of insulated me in, uh, in that moment, at least. Right. Um, you know, giving again giving giving me direction that God was still there. Yeah.
2: How were you feeling going through this situation?
1: You know, well, let me tell you something. When it, when, it, when it first happened, that first few articles started to drop. Mm-hmm. I laid on my face probably for two, three days oh, wow. on the bed in my in my house. And I can and I remember, I say this in the testimony sometimes, as I would lay there, I could feel a weight on my back, as if like a demonic force was sitting on me. Mm. And um, every now and again, the weight would lift. Okay. One time when the weight lifted, I said, Lord, why? How is it that this weight lifts from time to time? And it was like the Spirit of God whispered in their mind and said, Someone is praying for you right oh, now. Wow. 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 Amen. So uh, when that weight would lift, it was like someone was praying for me. Um, eventually, I tried to go back to like going to the gym and stuff. Eventually, I just canceled it because this it was, it was such a big. I mean, it being in the epicenter, like everyone already knew me from before all of this, mm-hmm. it was just too much. Um, but it was very, 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 very disheartening. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, one of my one of the psalms that I love is where David says, and Jesus, of course, quotes it on the cross: "My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me?" Right. Um, and that's how you feel. You feel like God has forsaken you. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite texts became, I think, it's First Kings nineteen four. Where the prophet Elijah says, um, Lord, now take my life, mm. for I am no better than my ancestors. Right. And this is when he was running from Jezebel. And right. Elijah basically says, look, Lord, you can take my life. I'm tired. Of, I'm just tired of it. Right. And I literally, that's where I got to, where I wasn't oh, wow. suicidal. I wasn't going to hurt myself. But I told the Lord, I said, listen, if you want to take me, you can take me now. Oh, wow. uh, because this is too much. The other part of the testimony that is very critical. That I, that I we haven't touched on yet before we go to georgia because it off dovetails in right um is that i was you know my spirituality was waning a bit even though i was still pastoring preaching mm-hmm. the success of this job had been going to events and stuff now, i never started drinking or doing drugs or nothing like that right. but just being in some of these circles compromising in conversations and on times you know, uh, being places where you sh- normally would never be as a Christian, or right. uh, you know, I, I, you know, I won't get into too much detail, but you started to compromise your walk yes. in yeah. some ways, and that's where I was when this all happened. You know, mm-hmm. when it hit, I was in a place where I, I think I was—I was so caught up on the career,
0: yeah. um, and,
1: I was, I, and I make sure I say this when I say the testimony. I, right. I, I wasn't some saint that got butchered. I was a man that needed needed correction.
0: Right.
1: Um. And, you know, people had wanted to submit my name to be the Surgeon General under Obama mm-hmm. because I'd worked, you know, I, I had done, um, um, I didn't mention this before, but, you know, I'd been on some advisory committees for Bush and Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were people who were saying, you know, you should go work for the Obamas mm-hmm. um, uh, or be the head of the health department for the, for the County of Los Angeles. Right. You know, my career trajectory was looking so good. I, was getting, I had just been hired for a professorship. At the University of um, Southern California, which, of course, once all this stuff happened, they, everybody washed their hands of me. Um, even at um, University of California, Irvine, where I used to teach mm-hmm. a class, just one mm-hmm. class a year. You know, I couldn't even get them to respond to give me like a letter of recommendation or just say oh. I ever worked there. I mean, people, I mean, I, I was a, again, I was like I was like an, an anathema. I mean, people wanted nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Um, So I always say that, in fact, um, God knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I give the full testimony, I quote where Ellen White talks about um, the need uh, for us to go through correction yeah. um, and that God, God's love for, she says, um, God's love for us in our darkest hour is as strong as it is in our, like our brightest noonday. Um, and I'm paraphrasing again, but she she speaks to the fact that even in our trials, God loves us and God is just trying to work for us. Yep. And that's what happened. I mean, it was in hindsight spiritually is one of them. So people always talk as if this was some terrible thing and I lost right. I look back on it as a, probably one of the best things that could really have really happened to me, right. especially right. if right. this is the trigger that gets me into, you know, <laughs> seals my seat um, right. um, at the welcome table in glory. Um, so, you know, it, I always mention that, that, you know, like Joseph, there was some correcting that needed to be done. And um, I believe that this was the process, a very public, uh, sh- um, you know, trying, difficult. So you use the word broken. I mean, it broke me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I had to, you know, I had to walk away from that job. Interestingly, though, earlier that year, in January of 2014, I had started the process of applying for a district health officer job with the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. i done two virtual interviews um, before okay. the COVID. This was back into, they were already doing these, you know, like this. And I interviewed with them so, you know, so you wouldn't have to fly back and forth. Right. They were ecstatic to have me to come join them. Oh, wow. So they flew me out. As soon as this, this scandal hit in Pasadena, Okay, I got the word from Georgia that they wanted me to come interv- do the final interview in person. So they bought me a plane ticket, flew me to Atlanta mm-hmm. to interview with them. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it went so well. I don't even think I got all the way home before I got the call that they wanted me to take the job. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I was thinking, look how God delivers. I mean, I'm going to leave blue California, go to red Georgia, Mm -hmm. um, and I should be a lot safer. Um, I should be okay. Um, But, you know, some of the stuff you just can't run from. And so when the state of Georgia, this is while everything else is happening. So even while I'm trying to get the severance, this is all happening. In fact, I think the city manager got news of this while we were in that severance meeting. But, um... Um... When it when the state of Georgia, you know, put out their press release that I was getting this job, Mm. uh, the people in Los Angeles found out about it. And I'll never forget because it was either in The L.A. Times or in the passing the Star News. One of the activists were quoted as saying, we have friends in Atlanta. Um, He will not get this job. Mm. And they said, and we will follow him wherever he goes. (laughs) And sure enough, I have the picture of me on the news in Atlanta, like the next night uh, um, where they had gone to the news and gone public. And, and next thing you know, the same thing was started all over again mm-hmm. in the city of Atlanta to keep me from getting that job. And, and um, I flew probably like the next weekend up to New York. I think I landed in LaGuardia to do a, um, a youth federation for the Haitian um, youth mm-hmm. um, for, for Northeastern Conference, I think. Oh, Maybe for New England. Cool. I don't know, one of the conferences. Um, and uh, when I landed in LaGuardia, um, you know, I checked my phone as I was sitting there waiting for everybody to deplane. Uh-huh. And I, there was a voicemail from uh, the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And they basically said, you know, after this is now, after I had sent them sermons, I mean, they'd ask me for all kinds of stuff. Um, in fact, the guy who was always who was asking me for all of this stuff, his wife worked for a pre, the big preacher in a Georgia, Stanley Evans. I think his name was Stanley Evans. Um, mm-hmm. Stanley. Is that his name? Stanley, whatever his name is. Um, one of the big, big, you know, tele-preachers there in Georgia. Okay. And um, so he said, you know, I understand sermons. So I sent him some sermons and stuff. He said, send me the most controversial sermons you have. So I sent him the stuff I had. Um, when I landed in LaGuardia and checked that phone, hmm. he said, sorry, Dr. Walsh, you cannot, you know, we will not be giving you this job. Um, and uh, they thought they'd hung up the phone, but they didn't. They forgot to hang up the phone in the office. And I could hear them in the background laughing and mocking me.
0: Oh yeah! Wow.
1: Um, after they'd given me this word that I was not going to be getting the job, now these are people who desperately wanted me to take the job. They said I was overqualified. You know, they would never see someone like me again. But here now, you know, under the pressure of whoever, mm. um, you know, now you know they're mocking me and um, you know and telling me. You know there's no possible way i could have the job and i have to tell you this is probably the lowest one of the lowest points of this entire ordeal because i just sat in the chair of that plane mm-hmm. i just wept as everybody's getting that's the first time i cried oh wow i sat there and i just cracked and i said lord how much like you know you think you you assume god's deliverance is going to show up any moment you know you mm-hmm. read the bible and you just think well the red sea has to open well mm-hmm. jericho has to fall mm-hmm. um angel has to kill the assyrians um you know david has to kill goliath you just think you know you know jesus has to raise lazarus you just think it's gonna happen like you're just waiting for the miracle Mm -hmm. and every time you wait for the miracle (laughs) something worse happens right Um, here now you know you think you think okay i'm gonna be fine i'll just go work in georgia and it'll be okay and instead i mean it was so serious with georgia that when they gave me the offer I told them it's not enough money and said i need to raise in order to accept the offer mm-hmm. and they increased the pay that's how badly they wanted me to come wow so here now they and i mean so i wept i mean lord how could you allow this to happen mm-hmm. and um i'll never forget i went to that haitian federation and spoke and it was a, um gave them the testimony up until that point right okay. it's interesting when i look back on it i gave them up to that point okay and i'll never forget a, a little old haitian lady um grabbing me and praying over me Mm. and how powerful that prayer was. And it moved me such that I realized I just had to hold on. Okay. You know I mean? Her prayer Mm -hmm. shifted the atmosphere in a sense. Right. And I realized that God is in control and I I didn't know what was going to happen. I was going to have a lot more doubt and a lot more worry before it all worked itself out. But um, that prayer was powerful. So you never Mm -hmm. underestimate what it means when we pray for folk. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, so now, you know, I'd lost the two jobs. <laughs> um, I resigned in Pasadena. This had happened in Georgia. Um, I was sitting on my friend's couch in um, Yucaipa, my friend Derek, and um, and I said, and he was like, you know, what are you going to do? You don't have a job. Of course, I'm Jamaican, so I, was, I had, like, I was still pastoring. They're still paying me, but <laughs> the church said what they said about me, right. uh, and I was moonlighting at one of the urgent cares. Mm-hmm. Um so i lost my primary job, but I still yeah. had work. But, you know, it wasn't enough, and I, I couldn't stay there. I mean, with everything that had just happened. He said, what are you going to do? You don't know, have a job. Um, and I said, you know, I always wanted to be a missionary. I always wanted to work in Guam. Oh, wow. And he said, Guam? And I, it was almost like I could tell him maybe he didn't know where Guam was. And um, uh, I said, yeah, Guam. I said, you know, they've tried to get in touch with me before, but mm-hmm. I was attending at Loma Linda. But, um, you know, I was always too busy with my career to go do missionary work All like right. that. Mm-hmm. Within 30 minutes of us having that conversation, I got an email to my cell phone that said, Dr. Walsh, um, uh, this is, um, I forget her name now, the recruiter for the Guam 70th Evidence Medical Clinics. Um, and we would love for you to come be a missionary in Guam. Within 30 minutes, I'd never talked to the lady before in my life. Wow. And within a few weeks, I was basically on my way to Guam and spent the next year in Guam, healing from all of this madness. Wow. Um, wow. So, you know, I was able to go to a nice tropical island in the right. Pacific and snorkel and jet ski and, you know, and play basketball. I mean, it was a, it was a nice year, good church folk, good ministry, good work. Um, so, I, I, you know, God gave me an out. And in, in the testimony, I talk about that he hide you know he, he hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock mm. tomorrow people the indigenous people to that island they wow. call the island the rock that's mm. the name that's the indigenous name for the island wow. God literally hid me in the rock and got me away from all the craziness that was going on um, on the mainland US and put me over there in Guam and I remember on the plane on the way over there I was I was still angry with God you know mm. even as I was flying over there I was like you know Lord I quit on the plane, I told God, I quit. I won't preach no more. I'm done. Um, if this is what preaching gets you, you know, exiled. Wow. <laughs> and all of this, I said, Lord, I quit. And when I land, Dr. Robinson, the medical director, and one of the young ladies that works in the clinic at 2 a.m. their time, came to pick me up and bring me to my apartment. And um, it was um, it was funny because he said, you know, I, I just told God how much I wasn't going to preach. The first thing, one of the first things he says to me is, Dr. Walsh, we're glad to have you. Um, we've been listening to your preaching on audio verse. You're scheduled to preach Wednesday night. Before it was all over, I've spoken pretty much every church on the Island. And then right. I did even, I'd even did a um, camp meeting for the other Island, Saipan. Mm. Wow. Um, so, you know, God, you know, has a way of doing the, and again, it was a lot of good spiritual growth yep. during that time in terms of learning and growing and understanding, um, the things of God. So, you know, it, god works things out i mean that's all i can say right right
0: so um your 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 family your wife um what happened yeah where
1: where was she in this whole process how Mm -hmm. did she feel about you know well i i I can't say what she felt i can only say what happened Mm -hmm. and that is that basically um we we went separate ways um it was probably one of the most difficult parts of the whole thing as well my kids went that way and um really never came back together um And so when I went to Guam, I went alone, Mm -hmm. um, and that was part of the pain of it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, um, It was very difficult um, because that was probably the deepest, darkest part of the loss, especially the kids. Um, So it was it was. Yeah, I mean, it was every level of my life um, except my health every other level of my life was, was impacted. Mm-hmm.
0: Right, right, right. Wow. So you go into this uh, job experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and funny enough that you said that um, it, it, it was also humbling for you. And I can relate to that, you know, because um, I the, the field that I'm in being a filmmaker and um, the kind of industry that I'm in. I, I, I sometimes, <laughs> you know, the media industry, the, what, what I'm doing I sometimes can get really caught up with certain clients and stuff. So I totally relate to, mm-hmm. to how that could have happened. So, mm-hmm. But God, during this experience, brought you back. Um, what would you say was the, the biggest lessons you learned about being humble and about um, your ego and all that type of stuff? How did this help?
1: Um, I think for me, um, ego is definitely a big part of it and staying humble. I think also amb- blind ambition i think god wants us to do well i mean daniel existed at the top of three different kingdoms basically um uh joseph obviously was at the top of egypt Mm -hmm. um moses you know was was the was was a prince of egypt um but all of them were humble yes god could only use them in those positions because they remained humble and some of them he humbled like Joseph, Joseph went through a process of intense humbling, right? Um, uh, as did Moses, 40 years watching mm-hmm. sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, but, uh, so that's the first thing. I mean, God will humble you because he can't use you if you're not humble. Right? Um, there's no such thing as an arrogant Christian. It's an oxymoron. Yeah. yeah. You can't be a, a you, you can't be an arrogant Christian. Um, right. Like you can't have a, like you can't have a, um, a horse with, with, with wings. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it, it just doesn't exist. Right. So that's the first thing, and God will humble you to in order to be able to use you, um, as He did Paul and many others. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the other part of blind ambition, the idea that you got to constantly move up and climb and do better, and right. at some point, sometimes you have to be careful. There's no, again, there's nothing wrong with being the second in command in Egypt as Joseph was, right. but Joseph never compromised anything to get there.
0: Right, that's true. And I think
1: that's really the lesson, that you yep. cannot compromise. Okay. you you, you got to be careful that you don't compromise anything right. in trying to get ahead. You have, must remain true and faithful to the teachings, to, to the keeping of the Sabbath, which is one of the places where many of us, um, you know, we're trying to climb, we, we cheat on the Sabbath.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Yep. yep. Um, it's an easy cheat. A lot of people won't see what you're doing.
0: Right.
1: So um, those are some of the big lessons. I think... Also, learned um, probably one of the most important things I learned is that you can, at, at the end of the day, God is the only thing that is completely trustworthy. Yes, yes, yes. People will fail you, turn on you. Family will fail you, turn on you. Mm-hmm. Institutions will fail you, turn on you. Mm-hmm. But God will never fail you or turn on you. Amen, amen. That's true. That's true. Even when it seems like He has, yep. God has not. He has a plan, and He will pass you through the, the fiery furnace, He'll fi- pass you through the lion's den. He will pass you through the prison like he did Paul and Peter. I mean, he, will, he will do all kinds of things. But in the end, God has a plan for you.
2: Right. Okay. okay.
1: Amen. Okay. Amen.
2: So after you were in Guam, what did you do after that when you came
1: so in order to in order the United to, States? To, yes. But to tell the story right, I got to go back a little bit. So before okay. right before I went to Guam, the I started getting barraged with um, religious liberty attorneys. I would Wanted to use the Seventh-day Adventist Church's uh, Religious Liberty Department, but I was told by someone I know personally um, that when they heard about it up at the NAD, when they heard about um, my story, Mm -hmm. many of them were ready to come to my defense, but they were told by someone above them that they were going to distance themselves from me. And then that article came out. However, people on the outside of our denomination thought it was a great opportunity. So I started at least four or five different religious liberty firms reached out to me Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them actually took it upon themselves and got a public, um, a public records request act done in Georgia and got all of the and Pasadena and got all the emails, all the information. And that guy called me and he said, "Listen, you have a case. This is a clear case of religious discrimination." Right. Um, and so I prayed about it because I didn't know how to pick the Lord pick a lawyer. I'd never picked one before. Right. right. And when I prayed about it, I, I said, "Lord, whoever is." I said, because most of them wanted you to, to fax you something, you sign it, and you send it back. Right. I said, Lord, whoever's willing to come talk with me, break bread with me, mm. uh, kind of get to know me and get to know the story, that's who I'm going with. Okay. And I okay. think within 24 hours, um, uh, First Liberty Institute out of Dallas, Texas, uh, First Liberty reached out. Um, uh, Jeremy Dice reached out to me and said, "Hey, we want to represent you. We're willing to fly to Los Angeles. We'll take you to dinner." Um, and let's talk this through. And I knew right then and there, that's who God wanted me to go with. The only group that ever, that offered it like that. Right. Right. When they flew out, this is before I went to Guam. But when they flew out, I played, um, you know, I told them the whole story, played them the the the, the, the voicemail mm-hmm. from the state of Georgia. The two attorneys almost like did a high five. Mm. And um, I was like, you know, oh, wow. that was terrible what they did. Why are you celebrating? He said, listen, every time they take a case like this, God shows them a piece of evidence in advance that uh, shows him, shows them that um, the case will be won. Okay. Um, wow. And so they said, this is that evidence. Right. So when I went to Guam, I had already, the, you know, things had started off, I actually had to fly back from Guam and go to Atlanta and face cameras again. And every time, and there a few times through this whole process, I had to go in front of cameras. Every time I did, the whole story came back up and the whole turmoil came back up wow. in the media. Um, but I, you know, so we started the process, we filed something with the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission for the United States Mm -hmm. and under the Obama administration, long story short, it was just shot down. They were like, nope, there's nothing here. We're not following it. Blah, 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 blah. So, um, by then I had come back from Guam or was about to come back from Guam and, um, God blessed me again, got me a really good job back in California, making more money than I'd ever made in my life. That's the irony. Wow. Of um, <laughs> the story, i want up with a better job. In fact, when the when, um, well, I'll get to that in a second. So, um, um, you know, when we found out that the, the Obama administration's EEOC was not going to follow up on this claim, mm-hmm. um, my attorney said we have to ask the, the, the federal government for permission to sue the state of Georgia, mm. and um, which I thought was crazy that you have to government the government has to give you permission to sue the government. <laughs> um, wow. And so they gave the permission and that's when the real lawsuit started. Um, and again, I had to fly back to Georgia and mm-hmm. go before the cameras and the whole thing blew up all over again. That time when it blew up um, or maybe it was the next time, but that time when it blew up, I think, um, it you know, even the people where I was working in California started to find out about it. Mm-hmm. The lady who was the running the organization I was working for. Um, when she found out about it, called me into her office and I was like, oh, no, I'm going to get, you know, here it goes again. <laughs> tell right. me, get out of here. Right. Um, she, was like, but she was like, no, I'm a Christian. And she said, you have the right of freedom of speech and blah, 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 blah. She said we're kindred spirits. She had gone through something similar. Mm. And so ironically, this time I was in a place where the job was secure. I didn't have to worry about my job. I could just oh, yeah. deal with the case. Okay. Um, just to show you the little things that God does. He put me, probably the only place in I would have been safe, one of the few places i would have been safe at the time. Right. He made sure I was there. Um, so, uh, you know, when the case goes forward. We go through discovery. I mean, these guys ask me for every sermon, literally the state of Georgia asked for every sermon I've ever preached. Even if I'd written it on a napkin in a, in a, in a yeah. restaurant, I was oh supposed to submit it. the margins in my bible i was supposed to submit it they asked Mm -hmm. if i'd ever made a dime off all the sermons i have online and discovery that's what they asked and i was like i've never made a dime i'm not like i don't have a you know money-making ministry of any kind i mean most of what i do i lose money doing it or do it for free so um you know they asked that question they asked for all the contracts for every time i was a pastor and all that kind of stuff very interesting. So you know they went into detail. Now, had I ever been arrested? Had I haven't pursued anybody. You know, again, they assume you're black. You must have done some crime. <laughs> um, uh, so um, when we got into discovery, that's when one of the attorneys on my side realized that we had something. They kept asking for my sermons. They asked for them when I when they when they first before they fired me, mm-hmm. and they asked for it um, even during discovery. Okay. And he in the, in the city of Houston, the mayor had asked all these pastors for their sermons. There was a big outcry, and the mayor actually was the one who got in trouble and ultimately left, this, left, left her post or was voted out of her post, however it happened. Right. But these five pastors stuck together. So they what they did was they said, listen, we're going to use that tactic. So they flew in one of those pastors that mm-hmm. they did this to. And we all went to Georgia to the state capitol. I was sitting, I mean, you could see the, the governor's office, the attorney general's office, uh, the TV cameras came out again. Except right. this time, um, you know, these got my attorneys thought this was such a brilliant idea mm-hmm. to pressure them and say, hey, you know, you're violating this guy's religious liberty right. and freedoms. And I had to speak and I only spoke for about five or six minutes, but it was, uh, you know, I spoke about the sacredness of a man and his sermons and his connection to God, mm-hmm. the importance of religious liberty and freedom in this country. Um, and that that was when it changed. When I got there that day to the state capitol. There were over forty-something people to, in support of me, but they weren't just people. These were the heads of Christian colleges and universities, organizations, churches, uh, political organizations. I mean, one of the state senators shook my hand and said, "Listen, I listened to one of your sermons last night. He said you're a fire preacher. Um, you keep preaching. Wow, um, it was crazy." Man. And uh, so um, I did the speech there. And I thought for sure it would just be over, but I realized when God does something, He, you know, He there's usually some some wait time. Noah had to sit in the ark <laughs> right. for a few days before the water started falling, just to make sure you, you know, God tests your faith all the way through the thing, right. you know. Yep. Um, yep. And so, yep. uh, um, you know, I, it was probably about two or three weeks, four weeks, maybe after that. I don't remember, but towards the end of that year, which was I think 2016, mm-hmm. I was on my knees praying um, at my house in California and say, Lord, you know, I'm tired. This is, this is just too much, Lord. I need this whole thing to be over with. Um, it's been year By that point. It already been over two years Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, two and a half years. And I said, Lord, I just need this to end Mm -hmm. while I was praying. My phone vibrates on the, on the, um, dresser next to me where I'm praying when I'm done praying, I check the phone and it's one of the attorneys, one of my attorneys. of course, I always get nervous when they call. You never know, you know, something terrible. Who who knows what could happen? And he said, Dr. Walsh, I think I've got some news for you. He said, um, he said, I think they may want to settle the case. Oh, wow. wow. Now, they'd always told me the state of Georgia never settles a case because, you know, they just hire lawyers. They'll have lawyers in 50 years. They 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 can drag a case out forever. (laughs) And um, I said, really? He said, yeah, they want to go to mediation. And I knew what that meant, but I said, what does that mean? He said, you know. Doesn't mean you'll get a settlement, but you know we're, they want to discuss it through. Right. Um, I said, I said Roger. His name was Roger. I said, Roger, that's strange. I said, I just got off my knees praying, mm. asking oh. God to get me out of this. He said, Well, if you just finished praying now, God answered your prayer yesterday, oh, wow. because uh, it was yesterday that they called. But because of the time zone difference, I decided I'd wait till this morning to call you. Oh, wow. And God put in my ear. Uh, the, the scripture that says before you call mm. I will answer, I will Amen. answer. and um, that was it a few weeks later I was in Georgia at, a, at the mediator's office and um, um, he was very friendly I, I'll never forget I met all these people from Georgia attorneys finance people whole army of them mm-hmm. and um, my team we prayed that was the nice thing about having Christian attorneys we prayed in the room before we went out right. um, and when we went out To meet the people from georgia i was shocked it was a big long table and we sat on one side they sat on the other side Mm -hmm. and when i walked into that room they were all shaking my hand the people from georgia were like thrilled to meet me it was very bizarre dr walsh great to meet you nice to meet you shaking my hand all the way around (laughs) i got on our side and sat down in the media and said dr walsh do you want to say anything i said nope i'm not saying nothing i have not said anything this far when in the beginning when this whole thing started back in pasadena when the newspapers and the news and the TV news channels try to interview me, mm-hmm. and I wanted to defend myself, the right. spirit of God would whisper in my ear, like a lamb led to the slaughter is right. dumb. Right. So said he, not a word. Right. And that's how God told me to shut up and don't say nothing. And right. so when I was at that big table in mm-hmm. Georgia, I said, you know what, keeping quiet has done me good so far. And I said, yo, my attorneys right. can handle this. Right. And there was a whole back and forth, and then we went to a separate room and they set a piece of paper back and forth um with the different um offers that were being made um and the first one we got was for six figures and my attorneys again they you know they celebrated and i said why what's so good about this and they said listen if this is the first offer they came to it's over dr walsh they came to settle today and before it was all over the number doubled right um and i'll never forget when um When it was when after doubled and and the the, uh, moderator asked me, he said uh, the mediator asked me, he said, um, uh, "Doctor Walsh, is there anything else you want?" I said, "No, I'm I'm perfectly fine. I didn't think we'd get this kind of money in the first place, so I'm fine." And one of my attorneys said, "I want an apology," and I said, "Yes, I want an apology." (laughs) And um and so he went the the mediator went back to Georgia Mm -hmm. to the to the to the uh, officials and said, "Hey, he wants an apology." And when he came back over, he said, "You know, the state of Georgia says they will not give you an apology." He said, "But they will give you an extra twenty five thousand dollars since they're not going to apologize." Oh wow! So wow! I said, wow. "Well, I'll tell you what. I'll take the money because yeah. right. <laughs> money wow. means something. Your apology, <laughs> <might be>. obviously, <Honestly. laughs> right?" <laughs> the irony is that same state senator that that was so friendly to me. The next day after that mediation, he apologized to me from the floor of their. Um, oh their their state assembly or Congress or whatever okay. they call it in Georgia. Yeah. Right. So I still got even then I still got you some got bit of an apology, apology right. from somebody. Yeah. Right. Um, wow. What was interesting is when the day was over, we all got together and prayed. It was as if some of the people from Georgia wanted to come pray with our side. Mm. Um, and the God showed me. He said from the, from Psalm twenty three, the scripture says, and He prepareth the table. He prepares the table for me in the presence of mine enemies. It was literally as if, in the presence of my enemies, mm-hmm. this table had been prepared. Yes. Um, and then, um, what was really interesting was um, the mediator himself kind of courted me before we left, mm-hmm. and he said, "Listen, I've listened to your sermons." He said, "Man, you keep preaching." Wow. He said, "I preach like you preach." The mediator said this. He said, "I preach like you preach." He said, "They probably debar, you know, disbar me if they knew." Um, how I my preaching? He says, so "You just keep preaching, <laughs> right?" Wow! So it was like God had the whole thing worked out Amen. the Amen. entire time.
0: Amen. Yeah, Amen, Amen. Amen. In wow. in, his time, in His time, in His time. So
1: yeah. it's
0: it's amazing sometimes the charges we're going through, yeah. and uh, what God is doing. He's reshaping us. Reshaping and, uh, he breaks us down, down reshapes us, and mm-hmm. um, and then bless others while we're going through those charges. Yeah. Amen. Because Amen. Think about it this way, Doctor Walsh. With your sermons that they keep asking for it, that's the word of God going yeah. to them. Everybody, yeah. every single person. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: so, um, yeah. during your darkest yeah. moment,
0: um, God is right there and yeah. shines.
1: Amen. You. Yeah. And, I, and I I'll say this I mean, He's restored every aspect of my life since then. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of career, mm-hmm. um, ministry, yeah. um, uh, remarried. I mean, He, He, He worked. Every piece of my life he, he put back together um, beautifully. Um, you know, they, they say he makes beauty for ashes. Yes. Um, and, you know, there was a time in there I just thought I would never have a decent life again. You know, I, I was just so, I mean, there were many jobs, you, I, even now if I apply for jobs, a lot of times, you know, you can tell as soon as they do the Google search, it's over. <laughs> right. um, but it's okay. because. Right. Right. That only means God. God has another tool to make sure I go where He wants me to go, yeah. and to Amen. be where He wants me to be. Because exactly. if He wants me there, it doesn't matter what they do or think. I'll be there. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Definitely a modern day Job
2: story. It is. Yep. It is.
1: So. Yep.
2: So now you're in Hartford. <laughs> what? Are you
1: yeah, doing back in Hartford. Yeah. Yep. What was ba- the last question? Back where you were born, right? Yeah. yeah, back. Yeah, full circle. I know, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So I'm are not are looking forward to the winter, now. but yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. So
1: what are you doing there now? So I'm a medical director. I have um, like 18 urgent care centers um, mm. that I'm medical director over. And, you know, we've been fighting COVID. Um, in fact, the reason I was kind of late getting on with you guys is because we actually are going to start distributing the vaccine. And okay. so mm. it's been, you know, it's really serious work. Um, and I praise I praise God for his protection and his safety throughout this whole thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, right, right, right.
1: And um, all the ministries that you're doing. I know you yeah. you are. Um, slave food. The slave what food, is that yeah. About? Slave food. Yeah, so slave food is, is a very powerful. We we hope to do a docu-series around the intersection of where um, health disparities, stress, and specifically racial discriminations, mm-hmm. discriminatory stress, and then nutritional stress all kind of come together. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been doing a lot of work around that. Um bringing on a lot of good guests we have our programs um and hopefully you know we can get docu-series done we're working on a book now um but our goal is to do a docu-series you know like a seven eight part series on all the different aspects of this okay Okay. beautiful nice
2: nice
0: nice wow so yeah dr walsh you just want to thank you so So much much. again um no problem for telling us your testimony. Yeah. And uh, I know um, everyone that hears this, they're going to be truly blessed. Mm. And just to know that um, during our, our, our darkest moments, yeah. uh, just like Job, yeah. that um, God is there for us. Mm-hmm. And we just got to hold on. Mm-hmm. Just really hold on. Yeah. You know? yeah. So thank you so much again for, yeah. for joining us. Yeah. And, um, you know, God bless you and God bless your ministry, ministry. and everything yeah. that, that you're doing. And I know he still has a lot of work for you. Oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Amen. Right.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yep. amen. 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 Amen.
2: So,
1: All right. You, you want to, to pray? pray? All right.
2: Yeah, it's the end. Loving Father, what an amazing testimony from Dr. Walsh. What an amazing journey you've brought him on and so many lessons that he's learnt from the trials that you put him through. Yes. But I ask God that as he goes forward, that you continue to bless him, continue to be with him and his family. I ask God also that you'll be with everyone that hears His testimony, that yes. they will be encouraged to know that no matter what they're going through, no matter mm-hmm. how difficult it is, that they just have to hold on to You, so that You can see them through everything, so they can just eventually, at the end, just see Your face, which is our ultimate goal. Is our prayer, in Jesus' name,
0: Amen. Yeah. Amen all right all right so thank you so much again yes. thank you guys joining mm-hmm. us man yes. and um hope to see you soon maybe after covid man yeah. you can, yes you can we can get you back in south florida man, south
1: <laughs> man. <Put> yeah i'd <laughs> yeah. right. like that okay. yeah. we'll,
0: te- we'll tell phyllis hello for you
1: <laughs> please do please do <laughs> all right yeah man. all right take okay. Care. okay all right all right bye, bye.